0: Today on Savvy Citizen, we have a berry beautiful show, talking about, you guessed it, berries. We've got Linda Mingus and Peyton Flowers in from the Gaston County Cooperative Extension to tell us which ones you should be planting and which ones are the hardest to maintain.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I am Dandria Bradley, and with me today I have Gavin Stewart co-hosting again. Hello, hey, welcome back. <laughs> and we have our friends from the Cooperative Extension joining us today. We have Linda Minguez, and we have Peyton Flowers. Hello. Hi, hi. So glad to have y'all back. And we get to have a very good discussion today. I love it. Did you see how I did that? I did. I did. So, folks, we are talking berries. And we're talking strawberries, blueberries, like just all things berries. So talk to us. What do we need to know about berries? And I will tell you, strawberries are my favorite.
2: Okay, good. We're in strawberry season. Yes. So, well, coming to the tail end of it. So, um, we have a couple more weeks that you can enjoy fresh local strawberries before... The blueberries and blackberries come into the discussion. So.
1: I mean, I have nothing against blueberries and blackberries. I like those too. They are wonderful in cobblers.
3: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, what else we got going on with the berries?
2: So, it's funny that you say. I'll, this is. We'll see if this is off topic or not. But you say they're they're good in cobblers. I think about blackberry cobbler. Mm-hmm. Um, folks. What folks don't understand is when they think about a blackberry. Blackberries are probably the easiest thing to grow in our region as far as a berry crop is concerned. Really? Um, they grow really well here. Um, our soils tend to struggle and you have to amend the soils for blueberries and strawberries a little bit, um, get some better drainage, but blackberries are tough plants. And when you think about a blackberry, you think about, you know, picking black, or at least I do, picking blackberries with my maw on the side of the road. Or, yes, absolutely. And then bringing it back for a cobbler and have to really doctor it up with all that sugar, and, mm-hmm. but The cultivar selection, so the different types of blackberries that have been bred um, to be like fresh market or to be shipped are much sweeter than those cultivars that you're thinking about on the side of the road. And that's the misconception that we're trying to bring to folks is like, hey, plant breeding has come so far that these selections that you have on on the UPIC farms here or in, in the supermarket from North Carolina growers are far better than what you your idea of what a blackberry is. Far bigger, far sweeter, um not thorny. We've bred out the the thorns on those really? blackberries as well. So
1: I did not know that. Yeah.
4: What's the nutritional value like of a blackberry? I feel like that's something that's not talked about enough.
3: They are wonderful. Well, first of all, when it comes to all berries, when you think about that deep red and uh, blue color, tons of antioxidants, phytochemicals. So they're at the top of the list with that blue red area. Mm-hmm. They're very low in calories. It's mostly a watery content, plus they're great and great source of fiber, which most of us don't, you know, we don't probably get even half of the amount of fiber that we need. So great on the nutrition scale.
1: So I'm, I'm one of those who's guilty of not
3: getting enough fiber in my diet. Yes. You're from the South, so that's pretty common. (laughs) I know.
2: Now, Linda brought up a really good point. So I was at Lineburgers yesterday for their homeschool days, and what we do is we test. I showed the kids how to test for the amount of sugars in the strawberries that they're picking um, using a BRICS refractometer, and it makes them feel like mad scientists. But basically all we do is we squish the strawberry, Uh and we're able to tell the amount of solids in it. Um, And that's based off of a strawberry being like 92% water um and the rest is pretty much sugar so we have a good idea of how sweet that berry is going to be based off of that sugar level wow. and strawberries don't really have a high Brix but they have a lot of they tend to be higher in fructose so they mm-hmm. give you that sweeter flavor cuz fructose is sweeter than sucrose and glucose right um i know that sounds really comp- but it's really easy and you can you can teach i've taught 4 year olds to do it and they they find it fascinating that we can figure out something simple using a pretty cheap tool yeah that's really neat very Um, cool and it's a good point too that uh you know if you have a i think about my kids and one of them's not very good at drinking his water all the time and making sure he stays hydrated but he loves berries you can use those berries to make sure that you're your kids are staying Staying hydrated hydrated.
1: nice now the one you mentioned how strawberries you know have the higher concentration of fructose i notice as they the more they ripen the sweeter they become and that's always the best time to eat them in my opinion but i noticed that with other fruits as well now i do have a question because you mentioned blueberries we're coming up on blueberry season so my oldest child, my oldest daughter does not like brew, blueberries because she feels like they're too bitter. Now, do they sweeten over time like strawberries do or no?
2: Love-hate relationship. with It's a unique flavor with, with blueberries. And yeah, I mean, that You, my advice for any berry, right, is when we pick them is to make sure that they're nice and full in color. But when you press it, it should feel almost like you're pressing up against your your thumb, mm-hmm. right? And that softness, that firmness, that mixture of firm and soft is about where you want to be when you when you go to pick. Um, gotcha. And then if you're buying berries at the supermarket, you have to realize that those plants that those those fruits come from, especially if things are out of season and it doesn't say North Carolina on that particular container, it's probably going to say, especially in the winter months, California or A lot of blueberries are produced in Maine when they're in season as well. Mm -hmm. But um, strawberries, blueberries will come from California, Florida, our warmer states during the colder months. Right. And those plants have been bred for shipping quality rather than flavor oftentimes. So there's a give and take with the way that our agricultural system works with the flavor content. Mm -hmm. So you sacrifice flavor sometimes for shipability.
1: Gotcha. Just so that you have those, you know, fruits that you want readily available in the grocery store, whether it's in season or not, because I am one of those people who will buy California strawberries, you know, in like December or whatever.
3: <laughs> so do you, how do you test them or check them to make sure they're flavorful or ripe? So how do I, okay. Yeah, do you have any tips on that? I do. So whenever I
1: buy fruit, especially like strawberries or grapes or something like that, you know, they're in the containers that are breathable. So you can kind of see them, smell them, that sort of thing. So I will generally turn the containers, just taking a look at them and see what their colors are. So if I I see like quite a few strawberries that are that, Pale-looking red color. I know they're not ripe, but I know I still have some time on them, um, and so I'll generally get those. And as long as they don't have that strong strawberry smell, I know they're not ripe, and I can keep them for a little while longer. Uh, with grapes, it's the same way. I look at them, see if they any of them are like look kind of mushy, or if they have a strong grape smell, sweet smell. Then I know okay, these are too ripe. They're probably gonna go bad in my fridge in like a couple of days.
3: So. Yeah, one thing that I, <laughs> I don't tell, know if that's
1: scientific. Yeah,
3: one thing that I can tell you about berries is, in and- Peyton, you correct me if I'm overstating this, but this is some of the general information, is that these berries do not sweeten after they're picked. So you want to get them, you know, at that peak of sweetness. Um, oh. Now the pectin level, which is their firmness and for doing jams and jellies is a factor as they age. The pectin level increases, making them mushier. That's an easy way to think of that. Um, Also, when you're buying, uh, especially store berries, like strawberries, if they have no aroma, you're typically not, you're going to find they don't have any flavor. Really? So those varieties that are just beautifully red and they have no smell, no aromatics, no flavor. Wow. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I've learned over the years. That's good to know. Now, Peyton, I have a question tied into this. So I've talked to some of our growers in our partnering states and they've also said a factor that has they think they're they're seeing that's impacting the sweetness of strawberries so is like how long they stay on the vine.
2: Science based evidence probably isn't there for that. Okay. But there's a just, I mean a lot okay. of the thought is is that if a freshly picked strawberry, right? A lot of the cultivars being grown by our local growers are well, we should get into this if we're talking about strawberries. There are two different types. Okay. Um well, three, but we'll set short day, which is what we grow here, june bearing and ever bearing um cultivars, which bear throughout the throughout the growing season. Okay. Um but those june bearing varieties are those f- like fresh pick cultivars that we're used to here. And they tend to be more aromatic. We can tend to leave them on the vine, um, on the petiole, a lot longer, and be able to um, pick them fresh. I think that's more of the co- the difference that we're seeing there is that the, the plant that's actually been bred for fresh picked or local production, as opposed to the plants that have been bred for shipping. Would gotcha. be m- more along because if you, I mean, if you, I mean, I was at Lineburgers yesterday. Right. If we look at the strawberries that have been left on there too long, they are not marketable quality. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's finding the sweet spot, but making sure that they go to full ripeness when they're picked is is super important. Gotcha. So there may be a little bit of that in there.
1: Hmm okay, I'm learning so much. And see, I'm totally fascinated with this particular subject because, you know, I'm hoping to, you know, branch into the homesteading world and the homesteading environment. And my husband and I have talked about growing berries. Um, So growing berries like strawberries and blackberries and all that. So if blackberries are the easiest, then that's probably where we're going to start because I really do not have a green thumb.
3: Let's take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. Oh, wait, just kidding. We don't have sponsors. These are just some cool things happening in and around Gaston County.
0: A staple of the summer returns. The Gaston County Parks and Recreations Kids Catfish Tournament is Saturday, July 15th at Dallas Park. Bring your kids, a rod and reel, and your favorite bait to catch those whiskered wigglers. The competition is open to children ages 3 to 15, and they must be joined by an adult. Call 704-922-2164 for more information or visit the Parks and Recreation page on GastonGov.com.
2: So, for anybody looking to grow berries and start, um, I don't want to discourage you because you get excited and you put them in the ground and you're like...
1: Don't do it, Peyton. Well, don't do it. Now,
2: the thing is, is <laughs> don't expect fruit the first year that you plant. That okay. would be... The expectations going in, right, we have to manage this plant so that it can establish roots. Reproduction, right, fruiting takes a lot of energy from the plant. So we have to limit the amount of flowers that are going to be on that plant in order to to ensure that we get crops for years on end with the perennial crops that we're talking about. So strawberries can be planted in fall, but if you were to plant them in spring, go ahead the first year when they start to produce right around this time. April, May into June, maybe go ahead and cut off any blooms that you see and really focus on crown and root development on the strawberry. Gotcha. If you plant them in the fall, that crown has time to develop. Um,
1: so is it better to plant them in the fall?
2: Well, then you have more winter protection, but you're going to be I'm um, trying to protect them through winter anyways, as far as the strawberries are concerned. Okay. Then with blueberries, if you buy something in a pot or bare root, it just comes in a root ball and you see the stems, you stick it in the ground. Blueberries, we want to cut them into a third if it's bare root and we want to cut them in half if it's in a pot. And you're like, well, why are we doing that? That seems kind of counterproductive. Well, we're trying to establish rooting. And then that first year, we, those blooms, we take off the plant. We prune them out, and we're really worried about the structure of the plant and making sure that year two and three, two, we can leave some flowers. Okay. Year three, we're starting to get in full production. And then pruning is super important for blueberries and blackberries and learning how to how to prune. So your first year canes and blackberries, for the most part, once again, there's two types of blackberries. Um, there's ones that fruit on the primocane, Year mm-hmm. one canes, and then there are ones that fruit only on the floricanes, the year two canes. So, all the ones that we recommend here right now are flora cane producers. So, there's going to be canes that come off in year one, and you're going to leave those because they're going to produce flowers. And next year, they're your floricanes, your berry producers. Okay. The ones that produce berries this year, they're done. And those dead canes need to be pruned out for for better airflow and to continue production. Wow. I know that's a lot of information, but we're here to help you walk through those decisions as you get started.
1: Which I appreciate, but what I'm hearing is when it comes down to it, I need to be very patient. Yes.
4: (laughs) Get out of here.
1: (laughs) I had to channel my inner Adam. Anybody that listens to our podcast knows Adam has the great puns. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs>
4: my question is: um, so I live near the hospital, so pretty like urban area, um, and we have strawberries, but we have tons of rabbits around. I use chicken wire to protect everything, but how would uh, something of the scale of lime burgers or a producer that large like
2: protect against wildlife? Interesting that you say that there is not a lot of good products out there. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the best ways um, is to find somebody to lease land to, to limit the amount of, uh, we see a lot of deer pressure. Yes. Um, There's not as much rabbit damage on big, I have small market gardens that have built 10 foot fences. Um, Oftentimes though, so either guys are guys and gals who are farming or contracting somebody leasing that land to hunt or. They're hunting themselves, or there's a product out there now called Trico. It's pretty stinky. It's They're using it in the Christmas tree industry a lot. Um, it's made from sheep's fat, and you spray it out, and it's one of the most effective kind of repellents that we've seen um, thus far. And I'm curious. I don't have any growers here using it, but they're using it in the mountains a lot, and I want to kind of hopefully trial that out and see if some folks will use it in here in the next few years and we can see if that product is as effective as the Christmas tree guys are, or and gals are saying.
1: And what is it called again? Trico. Trico.
2: Interesting
4: yeah I've, I've Interesting. never never okay. heard of that yeah and, no. and we don't get the deer problems where we are um, and we also have a fence but um, you know the bunnies like they're, they're going to find their way in um you know whether they're small or they dig you mm-hmm. know and they find those crevices so. And yeah. then
2: when you're farming acres too, there's some expectation of, of some crop loss. Um, right. But when it's, when you're small scale, you have to protect it. And that's exclusion is always the, the number one when it comes to um, keeping wildlife out of your crops. Yeah. And, and, and for someone
4: may, I don't, I don't know how large Dandria like, I don't know how large your, your homesteading venture is going to be, but for me, um, we've only got one berry plant right now. So obviously like we want to. We want to protect that as long as we can until we get more. Um, and so we can actually enjoy it.
1: We're starting small <laughs> because, you know, we're we're in the process where we're trying to learn as much as we can, you know, as we're going into this, because we're, it's going to be trial and error for us. So we we are definitely going to be exercising patience. So, yes, um, the only thing for sure that I know we're doing this year um, is we're planting fruit trees. And now that I know the fall is a good time for me to plant my strawberries. That's probably <laughs> I'll be adding that to the list.
2: <laughs> I would encourage any. I mean, str- straw, twenty-five strawberry plants will feed a family of four. Um, Linda, you correct me if I'm wrong on that, but about twenty-five plant, four or five blueberry plants, four or five blackberry plants, a family of four can be fed. Nice um, and a little surplus, maybe. Add a few additional plants to have something to, to freeze or, or can
1: absolutely yes my, my brother is looking forward to my homestead specifically when we get to the point where we're adding chickens because he wants fresh eggs yeah
2: and you're not breaking the <laughs> bank on on a lot of these either and when you do get started i can teach you some interesting ways that you can make more um, at least blackberries or, or strawberries from Uh, runners. Really? uh, They're very easy to propagate.
3: I need to check with you on that, Peyton, because I live in the clover area and we planted last year, I believe, strawberries, blueberries, and blackberry, a couple of plants. And we planted them um, near our drive. It's almost a little bit hilly, but we did that to keep, because wildlife, the deer and all the other critters that are out there. So. I haven't done a great job of taking care of them, so they probably they look great. They're growing, but they haven't been mended to. So I need to mm. get some of that information and chat with you on that,
1: oh yeah. we'll we'll definitely be talking to you because I want to make sure I have, you know, I have my berries when I'm ready for them. and I get I'll have to be patient, yeah.
3: Let me ask you this question as we're talking about berries, because as you were mentioning, picking berries with grandma on the side of the road, those wild berry bushes. The other thing that I think about when I was told as a kid to watch out for snakes. Yes. Are snakes more attracted to berries just because it's a food item or is it something about the plants that draws them near?
2: I think it's what the cover of the berry plants um, draws to it, Um, right? A lot of rabbits field mice things like that are attracted to that kind of cover Mm -hmm. and when we're talking about urban spaces too where there's not a lot of that potential for that like shrubby type overgrowth that those types of critters like um, they're just in the thicket trying to um, catch some dinner or lunch oftentimes that would be my theory gotcha
1: So it's not, yeah, because like Linda, I grew up hearing that too, that berries attract snakes and stuff like that and to watch for. Um, Like even with the so-called snake berries, yeah, they were these small red looking berries that grew around where my grandmother lived when I was growing up. And they were like, yeah, those are snake berries. The snakes come out and, you know, they eat those berries. I was like that would five keep six you years
4: away. Old. Yes, they I I've, did. I, I've got those in my yard, and I've I've seen, I've probably seen three garden snakes this year. See,
2: all right. Let me play as MythBusters for you here because <laughs> I'm going to tell you what that plant is. It's Indian mock strawberry. Mm-hmm. Does not attract snakes. Um, so all that's just coincidence Old i imagine wives that, tales. so look at that they call them snake bears i never really understood this my nephew was freaking out because they were in my mom and dad's yard while we were playing outside and i'm like listen dude <laughs> i'm like i know this plant you're okay and um so i mean there may be some some truth to it and i don't think there's any i think truth people just thing. have to step back and realize
4: also that it's that time of year where you just start seeing, seeing snakes, snakes again too yeah. so Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Like somebody listening to this podcast is like, You mean snake berries don't attract snakes? <laughs> it's like now they're questioning their entire existence. I mean, just like based me. off
2: of what we know about snakes, <laughs> they're not interested in berries. They're right. carnivores. I
1: mean, you're so. not wrong.
2: Or eat insects, insectivores if they're smaller.
1: Gotcha.
3: Okay. Dandrea, then the safest place for you to be is in the kitchen with your berries. Yes, <laughs> definitely canning my berries and making
1: my own jams and
3: canning (laughs) absolutely hey citizens are you feeling savvy yet if not let's take a break and hear about some cool things happening in and around gaston county
0: new york times best-selling author mary ellis monroe comes to gaston county in june for a special talk and book signing event it's happening thursday june 22nd at 11 a.m at the gaston county public library's main branch in gastonia no pre-registration is required and light snacks will be served. Monroe has written 27 books, selling nearly 8 million copies worldwide, with books for both adults and children. She is also the co-creator of the podcast Friends in Fiction. You can learn more at gastonlibrary.org.
1: So what else can you tell us about berries? Like, what else should we know? So we know when we need to plant them, we know we need to be patient and, you know, keep them pruned and take good care of them. What else do we need to know? Like, how do we, how do you harvest them? How do you know when they're ready?
2: So, and it really comes down to timing. Um, mm-hmm. Our times of year in our area, like I said, April, it really depends on the weather, but typically our June bearing strawberries, April to about the end of the first week of June, maybe. Okay. And then We get into blueberry season, and then our early season blackberry cultivars will be coming in. And then it's just checking them for color by feel, especially with the blackberries, making sure that each of those little bitty bubbles on a blackberry has a name. It's called a droop, and making sure that those droops are full and plump um, and the colors throughout that berry before we we ever pick, or else you're going to not have a good berry experience. (laughs)
1: I see what you did there. Um, So, with blackberries, so the darker the color, the better. Because I've seen some where it's like this light purple color, like almost before it starts to get that dark color. So, those are not what we want. We want them to be nice and dark.
2: Nice and dark, full droops. The the droops droops. are the real indicator with those. All
3: right. So one of the things talking about homesteading and right now we're in the midst of canning season yes. and folks are learning. So berries are a great place to start with home canning, especially doing jams and jellies. Um, we just did this week. We did an in-person workshop doing strawberry jam. Absolutely wonderful. But I will tell you, my favorite is blackberry jam. And a couple of reasons why, in addition to the flavor, is they're so easy. You don't really have to do, you know, other than pulling off the stems, there's not a lot of prep time with that. Um, And, you know, even making jams, you can then have a base of wonderful flavorful fresh fruits so that you can use to make salad dressings and then additional foods throughout the year. Also berries freeze super easily and that's another great option because you you know you buy these wonderful fresh berries and sometimes growers have a you know a bumper crop and they're on sale so you can rinse them and if you have room in a freezer you can put them like on a sheet pan and freeze them individually and then package them. Mm-hmm. And then those frozen berries you can th- use throughout the year. I mean, I love to just add berries to oatmeal, for example, or baking. Smoothies. Yes, yeah, smoothies. So, you know, that is a great way of taking advantage of what's local and being able to harvest it. So they're one of the easiest items to preserve, in my opinion. Um and I, this year I really want to do blueberry jam. That was the I the first time I had that last year my aunt brought me a jar and I made fresh cornbread muffins and had blueberry jam. Oh my goodness, it was wonderful. I've never that had sounds blueberry great.
1: jam. Yeah. sounds awesome. It,
3: it's wonderful. So and also this time of year we're doing throughout the the summer We're doing a series of webinars on cooking smart with local summer fruits and vegetables, and we cover blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, and talk about recipe options. So this is just a really great way for families who are home in the summer to get their kids excited about being in the kitchen. Maybe if they've been apprehensive about trying to eat more fruits and veggies, berries are a really great way, like -hmm. you were saying, to get kids excited about that. And they're so versatile. You can do so much with them. Oh, yes. Even making fruit leathers, if you've got time, I don't know if you've thought about that, but we just got a dehydrator for our extension programming. And that's another thing I want to experiment with a little bit is doing like some strawberry fruit leathers or just some dried fruit, like strawberries. So people are really interested in if you are growing these plants sometimes you really have to figure out how to preserve them so that you don't have waste because sometimes neighbors only take so much
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely very cool and no, I hadn't thought about trying the fruit leathers, but now that you mentioned it. Yes,
3: yeah, so I'll let you know how that goes. So, Please. you know, dehydrators, they don't have to be expensive. The biggest thing to do is to look for ones that have a thermostat so that they're temperature controlled. Because it's really hard to use your home oven to get the temperature lower, uh, low enough and be energy efficient to right. do dehydration. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to spend much just look for one with a dehydrator. So we're gonna look to do more of those kind of classes this year. You know, this is the first canning class we've done in three years because of COVID. We were on restrictions through the spring of last year. So really excited to have folks together. And you know, this is a great family event of going out and picking berries, if that's something you're interested in doing, and then teaching and sharing with your family. I have found that many generations are not learning some of those heritage skills and passing it along to the next generation. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes I have families, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, who come to the canning classes because they didn't learn it. You know, they were actually, you know, like maybe grandma said, you know, string the green beans and then you're out of here. So they never really learned how to do that. So, um, you know, there's lots of great opportunities for some summer fun. Excellent, excellent. Peyton, is there anything you want to add?
2: I will just real quickly tell you my, in order, we'll use strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, what I would recommend for maybe the first time grower. Blackberries is my number one, strawberries two, blueberries three. Blueberries are very temperamental in soil, and it's a lot of work to pick. So um, you have to make sure you have, Lower soil pH for for blueberries as opposed to those other two. Gotcha. Um, So there's some additional work that needs to be done, and a soil test needs to be taken. Come to our office; we'll help you with all of it.
1: Sounds great. Sounds great, Gavin. How about you?
4: I didn't realize we could fill up 25 minutes of berry talk, and I think we've got something here (laughs) that people can take with them. Absolutely. and, And then, yeah, like you said, I mean those those three berries, like they'll be able to actually do it. That's awesome.
1: Well, Peyton, Linda, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. And we can't wait to hear what you have for us the next time you're on.
3: Thanks so much for having us.
2: Yes, thank y'all.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, D'Andrea Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Up next on Savvy Citizen, we talk to David Fogarty, the longtime director of Gaston County's Cooperative Extension, about his lengthy career and upcoming retirement.